everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Wright. We have a great episode here for you tonight. We'll be joined by my guest, Oristus, and he is a doctor from Athens, Greece, and he has been specializing lately in looking into alien implants. It's definitely interesting for some of the discoveries he's made. Before we dive into our story, if you've ever had an encounter or a story you'd like to share, please contact me. You can reach me at tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. Just look up Tinfoil Tales. And if you'd like to help the show grow, please share it around. Like us on Facebook. Anything you can do to help promote the show definitely gets appreciated. We're going to go ahead and dive on into our story. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. like to take the time to welcome my guest on the show today, Orestis. Thank you for coming out and talking with me about this. It's definitely something that I find interesting, and I hope everyone else does too. Hello, everyone. Yes, thank you, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you've been having so- some experiences or whatever with some entities and you've also made some discoveries when it comes to certain like implant type stuff so if you'd like to kind of dive on into it go right ahead sure so basically i'm a doctor living in greece and doing work on the so-called alien implants or mysterious objects that are removed you know out of out of people's bodies that show signs of highly anomalous behavior literally behavior sometimes they do they move they uh, they disappear and you know whatever these things are uh, they're real the data is out there we just we just don't know how to to interpret it yet but we cannot simply ignore it it's real it's not going away when so, did you first uh, discover this uh, that was uh, years ago when uh, when one of my friends from America actually uh, discovered a piece of metal sticking out of um, of her partner's foot, and uh, they both uh, worked together to remove it, and then it, it was highly anomalous, so they sent it over for me for to me for analysis, and that's how it went. But uh, even before, I was always into ufology and uh, the beyond what's out there. And I've had several encounters with those creatures as well. Uh, I wouldn't describe them as abductions, more like, you know, dreams where I saw them, interacted with them. They wanted to approach me, show me some things. And I appreciate it, actually. They've been friendly with me all along. And that was not the case, you know, with me. It was not reciprocative. At first, I thought that they were all evil, like, You know, there couldn't be any of them out there that's doing anything good, you know, for humanity or for anyone. But things changed and I changed my beliefs. And when I did, the encounters that I had began to also change from negative and short ones with little memory to positive ones with much more interaction, you know, and with with uh, lasting 
food for thought benefits. Like now they began to real approach me and uh, show me things, teach me things, literally. Uh, the the ones that I remember the most actually are two, two of them. And in both cases, the, the entities that I had contact with were uh, unorthodox, even for, even for what you'd call an alien encounter. Uh, they, they had different features, both of them. Uh, in one case, the, the creature was wearing all black, so you couldn't see anything about its body. The only thing I could make were the features of his uh, face and of his uh, hands, which were also covered in black fabric. Like he was covered in black, couldn't see anything, but you could see the features. He was wearing a cape and a hood, very ritualistic. He also had a thick um, red cord on his, um, on his chest, where I assume that the cloak must have been attaching the rope. And turns out that I'm not the only person to have seen this dude. Uh, there are others who have had similar encounters with him. And I also found out that there are haunted places, haunted houses or fields right, in the UK where people have been reporting seeing the exact same kind of entity. A monk-looking tall figure dressed in black that you couldn't see his face. And he would always, you know, just stare at you and go away. He wouldn't be aggressive or anything. What makes, the other, yeah. what makes that one more of an ET to you rather than maybe like a spiritual being? Well, actually, you know, this is a kind of worms that we're opening now because I don't believe that the ETs are uh, what you'd call a sci-fi alien type of creature. Uh, I believe that there is a spiritual factor to them, to, the, to these creatures. I do believe that uh, they have been indigenous on Earth and have been interacting with mankind for thousands of years. But they don't fit the description or the expectations that, we, that you had of a you know, down-to-earth, tangibly science fiction type advanced civilization that came here from space. And, you know, that's the case with many ufologists, one after another, like Jacques Vallée, for example, uh, who stops subscribing to the so-called space travelers theory and begin to take a more uh, supernatural approach to the subject. And that's also the case with me. But I digress. So what made, what made the, the cloaked figure E.T., instead of instead of magician was actually the whole topic of the visitation he wanted to show me how they make hybrids like the process behind it so he showed me a vision within the vision if if that makes any sense so i saw i saw him in, I, I saw him in my dream and in that dream he put me, like, like in the movie Inception, that you go deeper and deeper, layer by layer, uh, in further down into the conscious. And the things that he would show me were technological, technological in nature. There was, all, there was a woman with us. It was the three of us. It was a human woman. It was him, 
and it was I. The the woman was scared for some reason. She could see him, but but she couldn't see me. And he did something with his uh, fingers, and lightning went out of them. Very similar to how to how Darth Sidious from Star Wars, you know, uh, launches these uh, lightning strikes. And I knew because he told me I knew that this way that human is now pregnant with a hybrid. So this is um, very this is a very sensitive issue, and I get that the the hybridization program, and I believe that's one of the telltale signs that uh, what you're dealing with is actually ET and not some purely spiritual entity, you know bound to some place for some reason at some time it's more of a tangible more of a scientific approach if you will yeah i understand that now i do have another question do you i know we can get into this in a little bit but do you happen to think that i know some of these people are thinking that ets are actually not from space but they're from like another dimension like that we just haven't been able to see and it kind of bleeds into ours. Do you think maybe this is part of the same thing? Yes. Yes. I do believe I, I will not, I will not say it's a different dimension, but that's definitely one way we can describe it. That's definitely one way that we can rationalize it. You know, if that makes any sense, because we haven't been in a different dimension to rationalize it, but mankind has been familiar with the concept of, other dimensions or other worlds that coexist with ours right, for millennia. So yes, that's one way you can put it. But end of the day, we simply don't know how they do it or if they do it at all. You know, they could be space travelers. You know, we, we just don't know. But yeah, I do subscribe to the, to the theory that they are not entirely physical, that part at least part of them relies on some kind of spiritual reality supernaturally spiritual reality and when i say supernatural i don't mean magic supernatural is simply something that is above or beyond the natural that's what it means above, above and beyond the natural or the perception something that we're not familiar with something that is you know that we have no experience in dealing with so yes definitely supernatural in that approach okay yeah that's kind of how i've been leaning towards lately too is i don't necessarily know if they're space travelers but i also feel like there's definitely another side to them if that makes any sense like something that it's just unexplained at this point yes if you if you ask abductees alien abductees at least those who can actually remember their uh, their abductions, uh, they will tell you that the entities that they were dealing with were masters of emotional manipulation. And I can relate. I can relate because that creature that I described later, dressed in all black, uh, he could also manipulate my feelings, my emotions, even my senses, to sense colors or you know, give me visions at will. Very, very similar to how you'd expect someone to receive a vision from some deity. But I know it was not a deity. 
you know, because he didn't radiate anything beyond, you know, if a flesh and blood living creature bound bound by the boundaries of space and time, he still fo follows the rules of, you know, reality of creation. But the aura, can we call it aura or can we call it energy? Anything that you want to call it, he was radiating this feel of awesomeness. Really, I, I, I cannot uh, describe it better than awesome, cool, um, serene, in control, who knew his stuff, who, who knew what he was doing. Someone with experience, an experience that he wanted to pass on. He was like a teacher on that day. He, I didn't feel any kind of terror like the human like the human that we were after did, I was watching. I was watching him do something to her. And she was terrified, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't terrified at all. And for some reason that I still cannot explain, even now that I think back to that, to that night, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't caring that this woman was terrified. And that's kind of strange because even now that I am talking about it, I still do not remember feeling any kind of, um, you know, danger. So perhaps, I don't know, maybe he wanted to telepathically communicate to me that it was all, was all going to be fine and she just didn't know it. Anyway, anyway, manipulation or tweaking of emotions of your perception of reality itself is definitely a thing when it comes to the, to the entities. And it's both amazing and scary because that means that anything that you could have seen, anything that you could have felt, anything that you could have heard from them could be legit or could be a lie, could be a, a hook to manipulate you. Like, you don't know that and you just have to trust them. But can you? You know, there is a whole ethical issue. If, if mankind could ever, if we could ever get our hands on such powers or such technology means to do that, there would be a whole ethical issue about using them because then the, the boundary of truth and lie gets blurred. And, you know, that's, <laughs> I think that's a topic of discussion for another time, though. Yeah, it's definitely one for a different time. So with your second encounter, was it anything, was the being or entity similar to this one or was it completely different looking? Well, actually, I don't know. It could be the same, really, because I couldn't see the first one. It was covered in all black, even with a hood and a cape. And, but, the, but I can tell you that uh, his head, his head was looking like that of a gray but it was not broad like like those of greys and he didn't have you know bulges for eyes that he could identify with those of a gray he was he was more similar to i don't know if you if you've seen the uh, the so-called elongated skulls of of Paracas History Museum Peru have you yeah i know what you're talking about yeah those ones just shorter like he had the hood as well, so it could be longer, but his head was very similar to one of those. And he was taller, taller than me. And I'm, and I'm pretty tall here, so he was very tall. 
by my estimates. So we are talking some a creature that looks more or less about them from Peru. But the one in the in the second vision was closer to resembling a gray with uh, two differences. One difference was that he was he was green. He wasn't gray. So you know, even even though we will call him the gray, he was actually green, right? A, a dark, a deep dark green. But for simplicity, let's just refer to him as gray. All right. And the second difference is that where grays have black eyes, this one had human eyes, same shape and size as those of the grays, but human looking. He had whites, he had an iris, he had a pupil, and the iris was yellow. It was a big, nice, beautiful yellow. And he even had eyelids. Very human looking. I like. I really wonder if he had some sort of I don't know, alien plastic surgery to give him human eyes. That's exactly what it looked like. Human eyes at the shape and size of a gray and yellow. Do you think it was possibly a hybrid? Mm, I wouldn't say that, no. And um, I will be speaking here from a biased point of view, a human point of view, because in, in our society, we tend to categorize people according to what they wear, all right, their, their clothes. So if you see a, a guy with a suit, you will more likely assume that he's a businessman, you know, for example. So this creature, the second one, was wearing, again, a, a suit, a cloak that was covering his body, but he, he, didn't, have a, he didn't have a hood or a cape. But he had the the tall collar, the tall collar, he, like a vampire's cloak, right? You know that where they have the 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 collar is raised and big, very typical of some some other depictions of greys. So he was wearing clothes that you would normally find on tall greys, not on hybrids. Hybrids usually wear human clothes or just suits. So no, I don't think he was a hybrid. I believe that he was a high-ranking ET, a full ET, who just wanted, you know, the the human genes for some reason. Maybe he just liked the eyes, you know. There's no telling what they can do. If they can make a hybrid, they they sure can make an eye look different. Even one as complex as theirs. So that second encounter was very short. And very different and you could say that it was an abduction because they were using me for some reason whereas in the first one the the magister as i call him the one in the black the magister was only trying to show me something he wanted to share some information with me in the second one this gray this green gray whose cloak was very bright purple by the way not pink very bright purple this one was having each hand, each hand of his on one side of my head and he was standing behind me. And I remember, I remember being, you know, between asleep and awake and I was walking and I was walking, but not voluntarily. I was being walked. 
like literally something was making me move in a way that didn't make me feel that my body wasn't following my orders. It was a strange kind of cooperation and working together while with him, with his um, commands, while also being hypnotized. So I was probably just hypnotized by him. And he was walking me around the building. It was an old building with, uh, with those uh, yellow walls, yellow lights, uh, very uh, 90s or 80s looking technology. An old building. You know, the walls were chipped at some, at, some, at some areas. The floor was wooden. It was an ordinary human building. And it looked like, it looked like the doctor's office. So that could have been just a screen memory to mask a spaceship. So I could have been in a spaceship and they just make me see a, um, a human building. They, they, use, they, they do it sometimes. They do that sometimes. So at one point, I, I get walked past a device that looked like, that looked like a, a small tower, a small tower. And there was a glass... Uh, panel a glass display actually a glass display and i could see inside the machine were were what i thought were human embryos human embryos so again hybrids you know immediately the hybridization program comes to mind or something genetic at large so i see those human embryos inside that machine they were um, carefully placed and uh, held by machinery and they were not being experimented on or something. They were just there. They looked like, like they were frozen in time. So they were completely motionless, but in a weird way that gave me the feel that there was something technological going on, that the machine was actually preserving them. Anyway, I see that. And for some reason, it drew, it, it caught my attention. And that disturbed the signal, or that's how I can describe it, like a signal that he was using you know, to hypnotize me. So as soon as my mind was stimulated by the sight of the human embryos inside an alien machine, the, the hypnosis began to, weak, to, to weaken, and I could feel more conscious once more. I was waking up, and, but I was still hypnotized. I was... I was in between, in between hypnotized and, and consciously awoken. So I ask then a question. I ask him, what are these? And up until this point, all I can see are two large hands at the sides of my head. I couldn't see the, the creature yet. And he had four fingers, by the way, or at least that's what I remember, what I remember. Uh, four fingers including a thumb. So I asked him, what are these? And I heard a voice, probably his voice behind me. And the voice said that those are the prisoners. And for some reason, I became curious about his usage of the word prisoner, not angry, not, not um, agitated or, or even offended for that matter. I only was curious. And like they say, curiosity kills the cat. Well, the curiosity stimulated my mind more. That that attracted more of my attention. So 
in a moment, I snapped out of his hypnosis completely. For a moment, I was completely awake, completely aware. I turned around, faced him, simply because I wanted to ask out of curiosity, like, what do you mean? If those are prisoners, why don't you let them go? And he was shocked. He was terrified. He, he took a step back, leaned back, you know, opened his mouth in awe. And he was, uh, he didn't know what to do. He didn't expect the hypnosis to break. He didn't expect me to turn and face him to be, uh, to be awake. At this point, I noticed another creature that looked like him on my peripheral vision. He was sitting at some kind of desk monitoring the whole process and he was looking at me uh, angry like he 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 didn't like what happened and that's the last thing i remember and then i woke up that's the last thing i remember so probably you know they they sounded an alarm like the human woke up you know zap him sedate him and they threw me back at bed i don't know but that was it like I snapped out, I turned around, asked him a question, and he was terrified at that. Like, she was shocked. So, yeah, so... That's interesting. And that's completely different from the first encounter. In the first encounter, I wasn't hypnotized. In the first encounter, it was master and student walking me through an operation that he was doing to show me some things so i don't know maybe that was a different faction altogether i do believe that there are different factions of ets fighting one another sometimes just like just like human factions each one with their own agendas their own technology sometimes and i have the evidence to back this up i just don't you know i can send it to you right now but um yeah probably probably the biggest the biggest find that that I've done on the on the physical evidence is um is something that's going to relate to alien implants so let me know if you want me to get into that yeah that's fine you can talk about what you discovered so at the beginning in the beginning of our talk i mentioned this object that my friend removed from her partner's foot. Uh, that object was a wire, a silvery wire, very thin, about, about three centimeters long, about a millimeter in diameter. And on, on the edges, on the ends, it was not sharp, it was not pointy, it was um, cylindrical, like it, it would continue on a straight line and then drop and you know cylinder just a cylinder that thing went out of the person's foot without any blood at all it was a three centimeters long wire metal wire stuck in a person's foot without him even realizing it until he woke up one random morning and he was feeling like he was stepping on glass you know there is no way that he he stepped on it and didn't realize it but then realized it the next morning like i don't know how to explain this anyway 
I don't know, maybe something malfunctioned during the insertion process. I don't know. I cannot know that yet. So the object came out. They put it in a zip bag and they left it on the fridge because they didn't know what to do with it. Next morning, it had begun breaking down into pieces. It was disintegrating. It was at that point that I became very, very interested because that's exactly what I was reading that alien implants were doing sometimes. They would disintegrate shortly after removal. But this one didn't break down completely. No, it, it broke into pieces and then the pieces remained. Then the pieces remained. And then next morning, something, something extraordinary had happened. The thing had reassembled itself and changed shape entirely. Now it was, it was a bit thicker, a little bit thicker, and it was black. So it went from thin, silvery, and straight. It was straight to thicker, black, and coiled. It was coiled. It was, ma it, it was making one turn, one coil turn on its own. And, you know, the, the guys didn't know what to do about it. So they just sent it over because then I had, I had to, I had to analyze this thing, see what it is, get the data to the people out there. So I did, and I took it to the lab. I, I run it through an XRF, X-ray fluorescent scan to see what it's made out of more or less, or at least the, um, the the elements in, in the largest concentrations or largest amounts would, would uh, register. For a trace element analysis, you need to do another exam, another test. It's called ICPMS, mass, mass spectroscopy. So for the first step, I just wanted to have a general, a general picture of what we were dealing with. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all because in order to, to fit the wire into the machine, I had to bend it. I had to bend it. And the thing wouldn't bend. Wouldn't bend. I had to make a physical effort. I had to, to really try to, to bend this little piece of wire that was coiled, that was coiled up. It had made one full turn, like you see in copper coils just one of those loops, then that's it. But I couldn't, I couldn't move it. I had to, to put all my strength into it. And finally it moved after, after, after about, about half an hour of trying, really. I was afraid of breaking it, but it wouldn't break. So immediately I knew that I was dealing with something extraordinary. You know, I mean, of course, it, it had shape-shifted, a few nights ago, but you know, it's one thing to to look at the pictures before and after. And sadly, we don't have any video, any videos about it uh, changing shape, shape, you know, on video because it happened overnight. It's it's one thing to to see the pictures, another thing to hold the thing in your hands and you know, and feel the extraordinary properties that it has. So anyway, the test was successful, and turns out that that this piece of metal was made mostly mostly out of nickel and titanium titanium 
Now that's interesting. Nickel and titanium, really. Even we use those two metals in medicine today. In fact, we use an alloy of those two metals because those two are biocompatible. Biocompatible means that if you put that in a body, in a human body, it will not produce an immune response to it. It will simply ignore it. We use that alloy in, in stents, in medical stents. So this, this shocked me because this object that was recovered from a person's body was made out of materials that were perfect for the purpose of implanting it into a person's body and you know, not wishing it to be found or cause any trouble in there. So that immediately brought to mind the purpose behind it. So it was, it was not an ordinary you know, wire that he, had, he happened to, to, to step on. But then again, there is another usage for nickel and titanium alloys. That's in the, in the products, in the, um, in the metals that are called nitinols. The nitinols are metals and they come in thin shapes and forms like thin plates, foils, or even wires. And what they, what they have is what's called shape memory. Shape memory means that if you, if you manufacture one such piece in a particular way, then you can program it as in give it an original form. And after that, you can bend it, yield it, twist it. And if you heat it up, it will move to reattain its original form that you gave it during the quote-unquote programming process or step of manufacture. But to do that, you need to, you need to heat it up. One way to heat up nitinol is through electricity because resistive heating will generate heat, all right? And that heat will cause it to move. So if you know how much heat you will generate by passing said amount of, of current through, through, through the metal, you can make a little robot that you can, that you can control with an onboard battery taking advantage of resistive heating to make it move. So it immediately, you know, makes sense. A scenario forms in mind, which could be totally wrong, by the way, and that's fine. <laughs> I just want to, to know what it is. So far, this, in my opinion, is the most likely explanation. But there was more. There was more. What if, what if it was an ordinary nitinol wire, I thought? Maybe maybe he did step on it by accident, and maybe he, maybe you know, all the coincidences of uh, of the planet actually, you know, happened in one hour, and he didn't feel anything. He didn't strike any blood vessel, no blood, whatever. Let's try. Let's try to heat it up. So I took it, you know, home. I heated it up. I I even threw it into boiling water. Boiling water. It didn't move. I, I bent it, I bent it, yielded it up again, heated it up, nothing, it didn't move. And that was 100 degrees Celsius, boiling water, 100 degrees Celsius. Uh, I cut a small piece of it, I used resistive heating, nothing, it didn't move. And that excludes it from being an ordinary nitinol wire, simply because 
ordinary nitinol wires are made are made to are made to re reattain their programmed form in lower temperatures, temperatures like 30 Celsius, 20 Celsius, 40 Celsius. There are even some plates that are programmed to, you know, to attain their shape at minus 15 Celsius. So that's low temperatures when it comes to manufacturing of such objects. I used 100 plus Celsius and it didn't move. So that was not commercial grade. And anything above commercial grade, you know, in one random location getting stepped on by someone in their own house, because no way that it, it could have penetrated his entire shoe out in the road or out in, in, a, in a building, no way. So that was not commercial. That's not nitinol wire, ordinary nitinol wire. And it's made out of the perfect materials for the job of implanting something in a human's body and making it move in there. So that stings. That's too many coincidences. I wonder if it's not a coincidence. So I took it to the lab. I analyzed it through a scanning electron microscope. And the inside structure did reveal very intricate, very intricate surfaces where of detail of detail of um of resolution that was in the micro and sometimes in the nanoscale barring the barring the many details the the inner structure was was filled with micro voids with holes literally holes a, a few hundred a few hundred nanometers in diameter sometimes and those holes were further splitting in two further down and I, you know, we, we couldn't estimate the depth, of course. So already you see a very intricate, very intricate uh, fabrication in the, in the object. And there were also little nerves, as I call them. They are not literally nerves, or at least I don't think they, they don't think so. They are metallic, if that, if that suffices. They are metallic, but they look like nerves or, or blood vessels. You know, since we're talking about an implant, you know, in relation to a human body, you had the um, networks of thicker, thicker nerves, quote unquote nerves, always thicker nerves branching further into thinner nerves. Very weird looking. But I thought that was, you know, maybe a leftover of the cutting process. I thought. So I didn't give it much thought. The holes were, the microvoids were interesting, but they were, you know, microvoids, the, those weird nerve-like structures. All right, it was definitely something weird, something interesting, but nothing, nothing, you know, nothing shocking. Nothing shocking. And here's when, here's when it all fit. It all, it all, all the pieces fell right in place, right in place. There is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Colburn who has actually done an analysis on a fragment that came from a crashed object, a crashed metal sphere, you know, ab about like um, about half a meter in diameter 
so relatively small, not not the dimensions you would expect from a U for a UFO, right? And turns out, and turns out that the inner structure of that metal sphere that crashed in Mexico is the exact same as the inner structure of the implant that I tested. Microvoids, nerves, made out of primarily out of nickel and titanium. Even the elements are are similar. But with the, with an interesting addition, in Steve's sphere fragment, you don't have as much nickel. This time you have vanadium, so primarily made out of titanium and vanadium. My implant is made out of nickel and titanium. So why the switch? Why the switch between vanadium and nickel? Steve did his research and he found out that if you alloy titanium with vanadium, you make the titanium attain a beta phase or beta phase titanium or beta titanium. Those alloys are usually made out of vanadium alloyed with titanium and they are simply used to make tougher, more strong, stronger alloys, usually put into use in aerospace applications. So to make craft, so to make airships. And he found that on an object that fell from the sky. Now, that, that tells us something. That tells us something. That tells us. And I could be wrong, but I don't know. So far, the evidence just points me right there. That tells us that there is an intelligence behind the making of those two objects. That intelligence was using titanium and then on one object meant for aerial maneuvers up in the sky was made to be stronger using vanadium. But in the implant that, that was meant to move inside the delicate human body, it had to be also delicate. So instead of vanadium, they use nickel. So, you know, they will not have the crazy aerial maneuvers, but they will have a biocompatible product now with this simple switch in materials. So what, does, so what is the takeaway of all this? The takeaway is that the technology used to make those two different things, a UFO and an implant, is the same. The inner structure is the same. The elements are more or less the same. So, so are the makers. That's the big takeaway. That's the first time, to my knowledge, as far as I'm aware of, that's the first time that we actually have tangible evidence that connects, that connects UFOs and alien implants. We knew this all along, of course. If you ask any abductee, they will tell you that it was aliens or ETs, you know. But it's one thing, like I said before, it's one thing to know another to be able to look, look at two different objects and say, that proves it. That's the connection. That's the missing link. Literally, that's the missing link that, li that links UFOs and alien implants. And I believe that's huge. I believe that we are making a breakthrough. We are advancing the awareness in the, in the field of ufology. Now, 
have you released your findings with anyone else other than what you've discovered, or is this something that you've kind of kept to yourself for a little bit? I, you know, neither. I, I, of course, I shared all the findings with the people that sent me the object. And I've been showing people that were curious to know or were asking to know, but I haven't made anything public as in, you know, put the entire put put the entire finding into one PDF and then post it somewhere. No, I haven't done that. I still have it, but I haven't, you know, published it anywhere yet. But anyone, literally anyone that will sincerely ask because they are because they're curious, because they want to learn, because they want to know, or simply because because they want to look at my data and make their own decision, can just ask me and I'll share. I'll share. It's it's no secret at all. Do you worry that perhaps the governments of the world don't want that type of information released? You know, it's it's not about the it's not about the want. Like the the crashed objects don't get picked up, the implants don't get picked up. That tells me that they're not really they don't really care. Maybe because they already have these these things in the in the dozens, so they just don't care anymore. Maybe because they made discoveries that go way beyond all this stuff, and they just can't bother with. Um, entry-level information. I don't know why. What I know is that so far, nobody has given a damn about my alien gadgets, you know, and, you know, I'm fine with that. I play along. Now, do you have anything else that you've had over the, after Discovery Nana? Has there been any other implants or anything that you've collected since then? Yeah, actually, I'm waiting for one more implant to arrive as we speak. And I have scheduled another one to be sent shortly. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely down into investigating those implants more. I do expect to find different inner structures, different elemental compositions, because the entire physiology of the other objects is different. And so far, I, I've never actually seen any publication of two alleged alien objects looking looking the same inside you know the only time that i found similarities so far is between the the implant that i have tested so far and steve colburn's sphere fragment so that there's that i know it's just kind of a hypothetical question but do you have any idea in your opinion of what these implants are for yes actually i do have a theory about what they could be. Um, I don't believe that it's something as simple as, quote-unquote, a monitoring device. I believe it goes way beyond that because they don't need implants to monitor. You know, if we have satellites. We have satellites that can look down on Earth with cameras from space. So imagine what they have. They, why would they want to put implants to monitor people? Like, what would you want to monitor? No, there has to be something more. Why are abductions, alien, alleged alien abductions, always genetic, about genetics? Why do they have to do with the human genome, human reproduction, really? And that's kind of 
you know, sensitive. Uh, and why are implants connected with such a covert operation, a global covert operation? There has to be a connection with that. It has to have to do with the hybrids, in my opinion. So here's my take on it. Here's my take on it. Um, electricity flows through wires, all right, to transmit signals to tell different components what to do in order to produce a sound or an image, you know, for us to see, for the brain to interpret. Same goes for the nerves. Same goes for the nerves in the human body. Electricity flows through our nerves from the brain, through the nerves, and it goes to the muscles. And that tells the muscles, quote unquote, what to do, just like in a machine, and the muscle moves. That's how you move, like your brain signals your muscle to make X, Y, Z movements. So, you know, you go ahead and grab grab a glass, grab a, a cup, for example. So just like with wires, if you, if you attach a device on, on that wire or that nerve, in our case, you can intercept the transmission. So my theory is that they attach those implants to, to the nerves in the human body to monitor nerve traffic, not, not the life of the individual only the movement. I don't know, perhaps they transmit the signals that they, that they intercept into some remote location underground or in the sky, in space, somewhere in the base uh, where someone looks at the screen and reconstructs the movement. So, you know, you could get a hologram with a human and you would see what the body is doing, just nothing else. Like, you would see him walking, but you wouldn't see where he's walking or for how long. Just a human that's walking. And there has to be a good reason why someone would, would, would want to sit on a screen and watch humans you know, moving for, for the rest of his life. And perhaps, and that's all theoretical, again, that's all theoretical, perhaps they want to store all these movements, the, even the tiniest movement is different and they want it. They want to have the protocols of exactly how the muscles work, how they move, exactly how they, they do it because they want to have better genes or better things to put into their future hybrids. That's how I theorize implants work. That's how the hybrids remain at the center of everything that they're doing, because everything seems to be about the hybrids. And I don't know where these hybrids go. There are so many, but the only thing, the only, the only time we see hybrids are, you know, mothers during uh, post-abductions and they see their child and then it's gone. They don't see it again. So I don't know where they're going, but I don't know, perhaps the implants are their way of monitoring the nerve traffic in order to monitor the muscle, the muscle movement, in order to make better muscles for the hybrids. That's, that's what I'm currently thinking of. It could change overnight if new evidence gets presented. So until it does, until it does, there we go.
Now, just your opinion, do you feel that these entities, for what they're doing and everything else, do you think these are more or less like benevolent, or do you think that there's some sort of other agenda that's going on that we just aren't aware of? Mm, well, like I said before, I do believe that there are different factions of ETs uh, working with one another or at some times against one another. I don't believe that they are united, all of them, under a single banner of someone or something. So, you know, there is no blanket answer for that. Maybe, and that's all, again, that's all hypothetical. And maybe some of them are benevolent, others are not. Maybe some are some are seeming benevolent, but they don't really intend to be benevolent. They just want to screw with the plans of a, of a rival faction, and that involves helping the humans. So they do it anyway without caring about the humans. All they want is you know to to mess with their with their enemy like a cold war. I, I could um, you know I I could make scenarios like those all day. But but definitely there are times where humans have been uh, have been aided or benefited from the actions of those creatures, and there are also other times where we haven't really. <laughs> there are there are reports of implants since we're talking about them. There are reports about implants, you know, messing with a person's mental state. They they make. They make some people's lives worse, sometimes without them even realizing it. I don't. At, at other times, however, there have been, you know, uh, allegations of of ETs helping people, curing people of disease, and that's all. You know, that's all bound in the realm of claims or and testimonies, and it, you know, it all it all comes down to. It all comes down to who tells it, who tells you, and how much you trust them, because you know it. It can't be proven or supported. You you just have to trust them. Yeah, I've actually got several different abductees with stories, and their stories are all different from how they perceived it. But almost every single one so far has been negative. So. I'm trying to get things lined up to record some of their interviews, but trying to get them to actually get the times to work and everything has been a little bit difficult. But most of the stories that I've heard are not anything that it doesn't paint them in the greatest light of what they're telling me. I think they believe what they're telling me. Now, do I know that it's the truth? I don't know. But I believe that they believe in their experiences and their experiences are terrifying. So I, I struggle to see if they're actually here for the benefit of everyone that some of the tests that these people go through. And this one, one gentleman has like, he said, terror from, for 50 years, he's been terrorized by these things. So it just kind of makes me wonder like what's really going on. Well, I agree that the majority of the, of the encounters of reported encounters are are negative and you know even those that are that are benevolent or benef beneficiary you know they like i said could could just have an agenda in mind like 
your benefiting is just a side effect, a necessity, not an intention, certainly not a central cause. Like, all right, imagine a farmer, a farmer who, who herds cows, all right? He's protecting his cow. He, he's keeping her alive, keeping her safe and feeds her top, top foods, you know, premium, premium water. He shelters her. He, he makes sure that her health is ace. He makes sure that she's in top shape. Does it do all those because he, he deeply cares, he deeply loves his cow? No. He does it because he wants premium food. One day he plans to slaughter the cow and sell her meat to other people so he can get more money to get more cows to slaughter these cows and on and on it goes. So see, just because there might be some benefits out of some encounters doesn't mean that those creatures are with you or on the same side as you are. Doesn't. It could mean that, but it certainly is not proof of it. And given the, their nature of being masters at tricking people, using their emotions against them, I say that the safest bet is to, is to at least not trust them on first sight. Especially when, when all their visitations involve using shady, shady means of attracting you, shady means of taking you without even asking you impregnating you if you're a woman and then taking away your child. Now, all these actions you know, are, are pretty unacceptable for, for human societies. Like, imagine if one, if one of us was doing half of all those things. Like, what would society think about, about such a man, right? So there's definitely an element of apathy or, you know, I, I don't know, necessity like someone could say that, hey, maybe they need that in order to survive. Maybe they do that in order to make hybrids because they are sterile. And, you know, and it's still it it's still not, you know, without without our consent. So, yeah, I, for one, do not immediately, immediately trust them. No, and I don't think anyone should be able to trust something that we have no idea about. And especially like especially. You say them able to project images in your mind and make the way you feel a certain way. It's definitely, it's definitely, it's a mind control. They can make you think that what they're doing is good, but what they're really doing is not, if that's the case. So you don't really know anything's true intentions. It could make you believe that this is what its intention is, but it has completely ulterior motives. Exactly. Exactly. Your benefit could be, you know, just a sidestep, a necessity along the way of you know, doing something to another faction or even on your body. Maybe they want to see how your body performs under top conditions. You know, maybe it has to do with you, but, you know, again, you're, again, you're the, the lab rat. You know, you're not the benefactor. Like I've seen people uh, go to hypnosis, to regression hypnosis sessions and find out that the clowns, literally the clowns that they spend their lives being afraid of as, as children, uh, were actually greys all along, or reptilians, or entities, all right? Let's just call them entities, masquerading as clowns, you know, abducting them and testing them out, and then planting false memories of them being clowns. Uh, and other, at other times, there was one time that I was in contact with this gentleman who had, uh, who had a very curious object. 
Like it could 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 easily be an implant. And literally one one time he says that he wants to send it over to me for analysis. I say, yeah, that would be my honor and my pleasure. And then immediately he makes a 180 and begins, you know, feeling terrified and saying how he he suddenly cannot let go of the object. Like that's that's mind control. Really, it's going it is real burgeoning and not going away. Yeah, especially if it sounds like he's doesn't want to get rid of it. It's almost like he's dependent upon it or he believes he is. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas a minute ago, he wanted to send it over to me for analysis. And suddenly, suddenly he doesn't. I cannot explain that. Like You mentioned clowns, and it's got me thinking I'm trying to find it. I actually just talked to someone last week about this, and I've heard some stuff about it before and I can't think of what it's called but I know there is a case and I forget how long ago it was but these kids come across something down by the river and it was what they described as like it looked like a clown they said it wasn't normal looking but it was friendly and it was a clown and it took them into this like metallic house is what they called it and these were younger kids and they gave it some name but it wasn't like it didn't do anything to them that it remembers it was friendly with them but they said it was just something off and it didn't look natural but it had like a clown looking face and when you said that it just kind of reminded me i was like i wonder if they picture clowns because they think clowns are happy kids are supposed to like them people are supposed to not be threatened by them but it actually ends up making them have like a fear of clowns exactly exactly it could well be that we could have just you know cracked the shell or the tip of an iceberg i don't know i don't know how far that goes but it is it is definitely consistent with a with a with a scenario of of an et race or group that's not human that's trying to be human that's trying to understand humanity misunderstanding humanity you know, notice notice the the childlike thinking here. Kids get go to Luna Parks, and that's where they see clowns, and clowns make them happy. So I will masquerade as a clown to trick that child into coming with me, and you know he will probably never think about it. He will think that he saw a clown, though, so that was happy, right? That's very basic looking, and that's very misunderstanding of human nature, and that's consistent, you know. That's scary. That's scary because it makes sense. That's consistent with with an with a race that's trying to be human for some reason. I don't know why they want to be human. If they are so superior to us, why want to make yourself look like a lesser species? Why want if if humans are just monkeys, talking monkeys with with an evolutionary history, why do you want why would you ever want to forsake your technological superiority? You know, to make yourself look like a monkey, you know, if that if that's the case, it seems that there is a there is a much much grander overarching narrative that has to do with humanity, that has to do with those creatures. Maybe they are really, you know, like us. Maybe of some some sort of relevance to us, and maybe they lost. Maybe they had something that that they lost that we still have and they're trying to take it back because without it they cannot take over or maybe they just want to be like us again i don't know 
get. I know there's another theory that these are actually just us. Like they were, we were originally made by them or they're actually us from the future, which the mm. theory, the, the time travel thing, you have to buy into that. But I don't see why, if that was the case, if they have the ability to control time and can go back and what's, what's the point? I don't, I can't rationalize into that theory because it just doesn't really add up to me. Yeah, you actually make a very interesting point about the time travel thing. About the creator's approach, I, I, I won't believe it for a second. Like, the abductions are just them trying to understand us, trying to get humanity, like trying to do humanity. If they created us, they, they should know how the human mind works. And that's not what they are, what they are you know, showing. They show an outsider, not an insider. You know, to the human, to the human mind, to the human body. They want to understand us. If they created us, they then why are they trying to understand us? So no, I I don't believe that for a second. Uh, and about the time travelers, you just made 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 an interesting point that I hadn't thought of before. Like again, if they have time travel equipment, why don't they just go back to the time where when they were humans? Maybe because you know because that time is now, but. Then again, you have to, you have to, the question behind all this is, do you really buy into time travel as a thing or not? And I certainly don't because it's unscientific at best. There is no such thing as time. We just measure the movement, the relative gravitational motion of planets and heavenly bodies. And that's what we call time. That's what time really is, a measurement and keeping track of the relative gravitational motion between planets and other huge celestial bodies. So you cannot you cannot travel into a measure. You cannot if I start counting from one to ten, you cannot travel into that. It just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I've actually got an episode with time travel, someone coming out here eventually, but they believe that they traveled 25,000 years into the future. But again, I'm not here to judge what people, what the stories they tell me, whether it's true or not, whether I believe it or not, I think they believe what they're telling me. So, and, but sometimes about the whole time travel thing is, like I said, I, you just explained it the way I see it too. I don't see how that's, I can't rationalize that. Because if there is such a thing as time travel, then you have your what they call the grandfather paradox to where whoever could create it that, that what if they went back and killed off that person, the grandfather, when they wouldn't have been in the future to create this and everything alters and everything changes. Like it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I can't get behind that theory. Yeah. And then to 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 supplant that, you need the multiverse theory you know, to come to go hand in hand with that and then say that, okay, even if you kill your your ancestor, that's that's their timeline. So your timeline elsewhere in the multiverse proceeds as normal and your ancestor just dies and history changes in that other universe in the multiverse. And you know, it's and you know, there is let's just say that there is really no way of knowing that ever like we will never find out so you know instead of instead of those thought-provoking you know 
scenarios i i'd rather just stick you know for the time being just stick to the to the hard data of ufo fragments and alien implants all right let's, let's just stay here yeah that's that's neither here nor there i was just that's just the realm that i've been digging into and for whatever reason like when i ask for people's experiences this and that and like it they start going some are just out there so you just kind of have to pick and choose of which ones to which rabbit hole i guess to go down and i always try and go down the ones that make the most scientific sense to me so yeah because you know you 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 need to to trust something and to trust something you need to rationalize it and you know that's that's ordinary that's perfectly understandable you you need to you need to to have a sense of continuity continuity you know that that things make sense otherwise you have no way of knowing if you are in the right or in the wrong and you know at, at that point you you just cannot proceed at all without knowing it's like walking in a, in a dark alley hoping that your next step doesn't take you down a cliff exactly is there anywhere you would want someone who's out there listening to this to reach out to you to if they have like an implant that they're curious about or something absolutely yes uh they can send me an email at uh, the at, at the account that i that i have specifically aimed for for ufology and, and alien implants that's uh, zaperium at protonmail.com and zaperium you spell it z-a-p E-R-I-M, Zaperium, at ProtonMail.com. Feel free to contact me anytime. I'll throw that up in the notes of the show as well. So if anyone's out there that has something that they're curious about, definitely get in touch with you. I would certainly love to do that. I just want the truth out to people. I believe that the alien implants are the extraordinary evidence to the extraordinary claims that we're making, the evidence that we need to make our case, and the one thing that will bring peace of mind to the individuals who have actually been hurt and traumatized by by the encounters with those entities, and you know, that's that's really something that I would like to see. Yeah, definitely. I think the more tangible evidence and actual proof that can show to people will start opening more people's eyes because i know a lot of people some people are very skeptical i remain skeptical on a lot of things too because i believe you have to be but when there's actual proof it's hard to dispute facts well yeah on that so far we only have evidence you know we haven't we haven't really you know proven anything in in the sense that we can you know we can lay our hand on and say that we, that's exactly what it is we we know exactly how things work so far we we only have very interesting curious and convincing data that shows us that there is something anomalous going on in history some kind of hidden or obfuscated history you know and the data is out there and it's and it now is up to us to interpret the data and you know, like like how Gary Nolan, Professor Gary Nolan, perfectly put it, 
what scientist puts away data, what scientist throws a possible interpretation out of the window. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. So I just think that, like I said, I haven't experienced anything with ETs or anything like that. So, and I don't particularly want to, but I am always looking out for others to share their stories with me. So I do appreciate you coming out here and talking with me because I do believe that there is a lot more going on that for whatever reason we're not in the know about. And I would like to be a part of the group of people that are trying to get this brought up to the common man, Absolutely. I guess. Absolutely. We are on the trail. We're on the trail. And I would like to thank you again for for hosting this this session and for doing what you're doing. You want to like like we are we are alike. We just want the data out to people. We want progress. You know, we want people to think. You know, we just want to give them the data and let them be the judge, I guess. That's how progress is made. Exactly. And we're on it. Yes. So. I'm into that. Well again, definitely appreciate you spending the time here with me and talking. I know there's quite a bit of hour differences between us, so pretty sure it's late where you're at. But um, if you ever find anything else out, like if you get any more information, don't hesitate to get a hold of me because I'd definitely like to hear more about what you're finding. Sure, sure. We can arrange that. And then um, maybe anything new comes about, we can always do another updated episode. So, All right. Of course. I'll let you know when we have something new. Okay. Well, again, thank you and uh, definitely appreciate it. Thank you too, Brandon. Have a good night. You too, my friend. Goodbye. That's our show, everyone. Again, let's thank Oristus for coming out tonight and talking with us. He definitely had some very interesting information that I think needs to be brought out. So definitely appreciate that. If you have had an implant or anything that you're questioned about, don't hesitate to get a hold of him. I've included that email address in the notes of the show. And if you've ever had an encounter or story to share, and you'd like to be a part of Tinfoil Tells on a future episode, please get a hold of me at tinfoiltellspodcast at gmail.com. Message me on Facebook, just look up Tinfoil Tales, and we'll try and get something figured out for a future episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this, and good night, everyone.